sewers of Gotham, a new villain emerges. You didn't invite me, so I crashed! From the rooftops of Gotham, the perfect enemy comes to life. Into. You're getting into a girl like me. He plots a foul reign of destruction. My dear penguins, thanks to Batman, the time has come to punish all of Batman! here with a brand new episode of let's watch it again our movie review podcast and uh today we're uh doing batman returns from 1992 and i said we because i have a guest uh i have the girl face i have kumari here cool welcome to the pod again hi everybody thanks for having me back yes you're um you're snoopy to my snoopy's doghouse no does that work We'll workshop it a little. Just a yeah, little. Yeah, I think we got to workshop. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not Woodstock. I'm not Woodstock. I'm too no, big to be Woodstock. Yeah, Woodstock's not the right personality. We got to think about this a little bit more. Pigpen. <laughs> I'm just dusty. Did we ever really see Pigpen and Snoopy hang out together? We did. We did. Yeah. I, you know what? You're right. You know, Charlie Brown because I'm bald. Boom. Done. Okay. Good. Good. I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I just, I, well, just watch. I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get a yellow shirt. It's gonna have triangles on it. I can't do the, the whole thing because it's just like you're just stealing Charlie Brown. But you know, I'm just gonna have the yellow shirt with the triangles on it, not not waves, even though they look a little Aquarius. They look a little Aquarius. They kind of do. See? They kind of do have that water bearer yeah. look, and you definitely yeah. have some of Charlie Brown's like philosophical musings. <laughs> 
<laughs> just really thinking about the state of the world and you know where you fit into it so there's some parallels just, there there's some parallels i could just i could just see you dancing like snoopy uh, done. oh well snoopy and i have a lot in common we have typewriters yes. You know, so <laughs> poofy coats. <laughs> yeah, <that's> definitely, <laughs> definitely. So, what we're here to talk about today is we might even do a Charlie Brown that that remake joint that that came out a couple years back. Sure, might be worth doing. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm gonna give you a synopsis of um, of Batman Returns, and you know, keep me honest here as I go through this because um, sometimes the synopsises are a little synopsis short, as it were. <laughs> short rather yeah. than sis. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. It's like eh, it's eh. not that's this. Eh, it's 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 a gendered synopsis, you know, instead of because <laughs> it's cis. Wow. CIS, no. Uh anyway, so synopsis. In the sewers of Gotham City. Oh boy. To the rooftops of the <laughs> of the Gotham City, the, the the penguin played by Danny DeVito wants to know where from which he came. Catwoman, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, plans to kill Rich man, uh, the the rich man of Gotham. Who wrote this? This is written terribly. The, the plans to kill the rich man of Gotham, um, Max Shrek, played by Christopher Walken. But um, as he battles, he as he as she battles with millionaire, ah, he battles with millionaire Bruce Wayne, uh, Michael Keaton for both uh, ladies. And this is written terribly. Hold on, <laughs> I'm gonna get a different synopsis. I don't like the synopsis. <laughs> This is a bad this is, synopsis. This is live. This is live. You're like, you know what? This this isn't good. This isn't good. Switch it out. Yeah, someone wrote this terribly. It's like I read it and it made sense. I may have been high. It wasn't good. You could have right, written a better one. Mm-hmm. Here's here's a better one. Okay. Uh, synopsis. While the Batman deals with the former man calling himself the Penguin, wreaking havoc across Gotham with the uh, with the help of a cruel businessman, a female employee of the latter becomes the Catwoman with her own vendetta. Batman. All right. That's actually concise. It pretty much gets to the point. That pretty much gets to the point. And it highlights something that I don't know if people really thought about too much at the time when this movie came out, which is that, like, this isn't a Batman movie. We don't even know if the original Batman, the first in this series, was a Batman movie. But this one kind of isn't. No, it's it's a... We'll talk about that. It is definitely, it doesn't feel like a Batman movie to me. It feels like this is kind of one of those early, you you know how in Spider-Man 3, when they tried to bring in the extra villains, all of that, this was the precursor to that, that the movie is not about the main person. Right. The the person that is named after, the character is named after. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So this this actually succeeds in it. And, you know, is this... You know, this is probably one of the questions a little bit later, but is this better than the Batman? Like, the, the well, not the Batman, but the first Batman of this uh, Tim Burton series. Hmm. We'll, we'll, you know, just chew on that for a little bit. Okay. So here's um, here's what we got. I want to talk about the numbers, right? So, as you know, data analysis is, right? Um, so IMDb gave this a 7.1 out of, out of 10. Um, Metacritic, a 68 out of 10. Sorry, 68 out of uh, 100. And uh, Rotten Tomatoes, an 81 out of 100. This was released in June 19th, 1992. So this was a summer movie, but also a Christmas movie. Uh, directed by Tim Burton, had a budget of $80 million, 
It's a very interesting budget during that time. Yeah, that's, that's probably like pretty expensive. <laughs> that's pretty expensive. And it uh, made um, $267 million. So, you know, it was probably like a half a half a billion dollar movie. And it, you know, it was, you know, I, I don't know that movie would get the same juice. You know what I mean? Like, eh, I don't think we're going to do a sequel to this. It was a box office failure using today's standards. That's true. That's true. Um, in comparison, because um, I want to talk about like how the budget for this one compared to that initial one. Mm-hmm. So because, uh, you know, a lot of that money uh, went to uh, one uh, one Jack Nicholson. Uh, just let, let me get that bread. <laughs> let me get that bread from you. Um, yeah. So let's see. Batman. Nine budget. Because I, I just, you know, for posterity's sake. Uh, so the original movie, so 89 was, uh, was a $48 million budget. Wow. Okay. So uh, it's like, how did it go up so much higher? Cause we know how much, um, we'll talk about this a little later, how much, uh, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer made. And so was like, did y'all, how much? Cause I know they gave, uh, I know they gave Michael Keaton, um, a, a, a pay increase or what have you, but most of that money in that first one went to Jack Nicholson and probably Prince. If we're being- <laughs> Just Michael, Jack- Michael Jackson, just um, Jack Nicholson and Prince just making off like bandits. They just probably went on a vacation together to the Riviera with all their money. They were just like, man, we built those idiots. They he like I feel like Prince Scrooge McDuck into like a golden and a gold and a purple pool. Diamonds and like pearls. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of went to the art budget that the Joker destroyed. Anyway, um. So the cast in this movie includes Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, Christopher Walken, um, Michael Goh, Pat Hengel, and Michael Murphy. So I want to ask you. So as a as the, the Batman expert here, oh boy. I know you're going to shy. I know you're going to shy away from that. But you're, you're the Batman expert. You're a Batman expert. <laughs> in, in my opinion, um, in my opinion, matters more than anyone else's. So they can all kick rocks. Uh, where, like. And we, we were just going to go right into it. Where does this kind of like, when you, when you think back at it, like, how did you feel? What was your excitement level? Like, where were you at when you're like, oh, they're doing a Batman 2? They're doing a Batman Returns? Like, where were you at? And what was your feelings when you know the, knew that this movie was going to come out? I was really excited about it. I was probably the most excited about seeing Catwoman because Catwoman is just one of those characters that you want to see on the big screen. It made sense for the first big budget live action Batman movie um, in that era to have the Joker as the first villain. So that made sense. So I was super excited about it and I was definitely excited to see Catwoman. Um, I think I was surprised that the Penguin was gonna be the other villain. That surprised me. I don't know what I was expecting, probably the Riddler. I mean, but I guess that would have been, you know, just kind of my own opinion about like in the pantheon of villains, who would they go for next? The Penguin is kind of a weird villain and Mm -hmm. needs a certain touch. But I think the Tim Burton element made sense in that way, that that would be something, a character that he would be interested in. So it's almost like, you know, one for me and one for them. You guys want Catwoman. We'll do that. The Penguin's kind of more my speed. So we're going to do that too. So 
it, it so I, I I think I agree with you. I, let's see. When this this movie came out, I was I was a child of was seven or something, and um, I don't remember this movie as well. This is my Batman movie, though. Like when I think of like you know what was my Batman movie is it's going to be this one more than the 89 one. Cause 89 one felt a little darker. This felt more, this felt dark in a different way. And it had the video game tie in. So it felt like it was like, Oh no, this is something I'm going to have fun with. I feel like I played the Batman game a lot with the dark carnival and all of that stuff. Oh. And in addition to that, you know, the, you know, RIP to Kevin Conroy, but the, Batman the Animated Series came out a few months after this. Batman Animated Series came out in September of two thousand I mean of nineteen ninety two. Okay. And this was in July of nineteen ninety two. So definitely I mean, June. So definitely there was some steam. There was a the summer of bats. Right. Like Batman just taking the world by storm once again. Yeah. And um, you know, prior to that, we had like you know, we, we had Keaton as Batman in 89, but you had like Adam West. I just remember watching a lot of reruns of like Adam West. So, you know, and having this and, you know, as I think I told you maybe before, a lot of times I would get the sequel. I'd watch the sequel before I watched the original movie. Oh, OK. Yeah. Hmm. So like when it was accessible. So like, you know, this is me and Ghostbusters. I've seen two before I've seen before one. Before you so saw that's, one. Right. So that's that's my movie. That's the first time I saw it. That's the first, you know, that's how I romanticize and how it imprints on me. Interesting. Well, then you were pretty much indoctrinated into a multi-villain world, <laughs> you know, and where Batman is almost an afterthought in comparison with how much screen time, because, you know, Max Shrek, which I'm sure we're going to talk about him, is, <laughs> is not even, you know, he's not one of the headliner villains. He's not like, you know, a villain that somebody's like, oh, look, pointy ears. I know who that is. Or look at that nose and the umbrella. I'm ready for it. It's like, oh, wow. He is a Tim Burton character. And he absolutely is. So it's, you know, so really, Talk about a movie being crowded with villains. There are like the three of them up there. And then Batman's just like, hey, just let me know when you guys need me. It's essentially he was like, yeah, two for me, one for y'all. I need Shrek <laughs> in this now. And I almost rather have Shrek. I almost had rather have Mike Myers in green face paint, you know, going back in time. It's like, yeah, I'm the villain running Gotham. I'd rather have that. Wow. I almost rather it's Shrek. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> shit. Uh, <laughs> So, I, I want to throw some trivia out there to you because you know you know how much I enjoy trivia. Oh yeah. And and, uh, and and before before we get to that trivia, does this pass the early on sniff test? And, and upon rewatching it, um, the the sniff test that you and I both have of number of production companies, all of that good stuff, does it pass that sniff test? Because sometimes when you watch movies, you're like, I forget there was a lot more production companies here when you rewatch them. Oh man, you know, crap! I really didn't look for that. <laughs> Um, I, I think it's fine. Think I think it's fast. It doesn't pass. Okay. I, I really, I really didn't look for that, but I will tell you, and we can talk about this more later off the top. I liked it a lot more in the present than I did, um, previous times that I've watched it. And I've, I felt like I got a lot more out of it. And maybe a lot of that has to do with just kind of like the kind of director that Tim Burton is always kind mm. of like a little bit ahead of you. And then mm -hmm. you go back and you're like, hmm, there's a lot going on here. So, um, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, trivia. 
so at least 50% of Warner Brothers, their, their lot, is made up of Gotham City sets. So you mean of the physical lot? <laughs> yes. Shut up. Really? <laughs> so that, if it's definitely like this, this, this thing in world building, right? It's like, no, we actually had sets. It, it's not goofy CGI. It's like, no, we built this out. You know, freaking Christopher Walken and his wig was on this podium. So it is was that, a thing. do they have like tours? Can I go see that? I think we can get one arranged. Huh. <laughs> So they were all constructed to be mobile, and they were shifted between days um, of filming. Um, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer routinely got lost on her way to filming every day. That's something that would happen to me. I'd be like, where is this? Can you guys put up some kind of signage or – (laughs) yeah. So um, there is a cameo early on in this movie, actually before the credits. Which is one of the things that might be one of our things, by the way, uh, like, you know, pre-credit cameos or pre-credit like things you should be taking an eye to keep keeping an eye on. So Burgess Meredith, who, um, you know, Rocky Connection plays, um, you know, uh, Mick in, in Rocky. And he was the original um, uh, Penguin in the uh, 1966 uh, series. Um, he was going to play Penguin's father, but he couldn't play him because he was ill. Oh, he was sick. So who plays Penguin's father? Penguin's father is played by Paul Rubens. Yes, yes. And it's a, he has his Pepe Le Pew mustache. It's great. And part of me, when you say that question, makes me want to say John Waters because that's who I think about oh when I look at him. Oh, my God. <laughs> so. Where's the John Waters biopic with Pee Wee Herman? <laughs> Oh, I'm so ready. I'm so ready. It's just him doing a Pee Wee Herman dance. They're a match made in, I don't know if I want to say heaven, but somewhere in between. Middle Earth? Yeah. Eh. Strip club? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Dive bar? Danny Danny DeVito would remain in character in between sets. And you'll, you'll love this next line. DeVito was advised by his friend Jack Nicholson, aware of his own financial success of Batman, to take on that role as Penguin. He's like, look, you can make some bread. You should do it. I'm telling you, you should do it, bro. I think that there <laughs> needs – I don't know if, if this exists, but this is like the 7011th time that I've heard wow. someone say something like Jack Nicholson's advice. You know, like I don't know much about him as a person for someone who's so famous and has been ar- around for a long time. But he has like this really interesting altruistic streak. Of yeah. just giving warnings and advice and like he's forever telling somebody like, you know what you need to do. So <laughs> like I think that's what? so funny. It sounds like me, you know what you need to do. Go get that <laughs> get that check. Go get that check. It's it's almost it's it's almost a, an altruistic version of um Steve Steven from Django Unchained. They hit for that girl. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have it's to like <laughs> I almost want to have a poof of hair right here in the front. <laughs> Listeners, you cannot see you can't see your host right now, but he did this ridiculous Elvis lip curl when he said that. And now he's now he's putting a napkin on his head as if it's the patch of hair that Sam Jackson has. <laughs> it's really stupid. Oh my god, that was great. In an interview for television, uh, Stan Winston uh, told a little anecdote about how his crew were collecting mechanical penguins one day after a shoot. You're going to love this. It's going to it's going to hit the cockles of your heart. Um, He found one of the live penguins snuggled up against one of the mechanical ones. That is adorable. That is so adorable. (laughs) 
That's so cute. Aww. <laughs> my penguin friend. Because, I mean, they get dark later in the movie. It's like, all right, here's these rocket penguins. <laughs> Last 30 Shit. minutes. Just let's time to go off the rails. Uh, it's 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 Spielberg level-ish. <laughs> right. So uh, Danny Vito, whose makeup uh, as Penguin took, uh, how many hours do you think it took for him to get in, get, get in, in Penguin mode, as it were? Hmm. So I'm picturing his face. We have a very, very dramatic nose. Some <laughs> really disturbing teeth interwoven with black tar gums and some mm-hmm. sort of substance that looks like if you squeezed fish juice, that's what you'd get. She um, only want me for my fish juice. So no. that sounds like a line he may have said in the movie because, wow. He he was on one. He was on one the entire time. So how many hours? Whew, man. Five? So it took three hours. Okay. Because, I mean, all of the padding was not padding. That was his body in the, the, the when he wore his long underwear that looked decrepit. I you know, okay. So you know how in the, you know how in the like mythology and lore of Michael Jackson's thriller, thriller, they talk about how all the clothing that they used for the dancers, they left it outside and let it get rained on and like for real, Gross. and let like things crawl in there and stuff. And then Gross. they were like, here, wear this. So those long johns. <laughs> I think they're the same long johns he's wearing in there. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. So I know. mean, he might have had them since Taxi. Let's be honest. Uh, well, he was a hairdresser at one point, and he may have done his own wig. <laughs> I, I read. I read a story that that was his first job before he got to acting. The wig is great. The wig is great. So um, it took three hours, mm-hmm. and uh, so. He removed from his trailer. He removed one of the cabinets from um, from the make from the makeup trailer, rather, to put in a laser disc machine and television, so he could sit there and actually watch movies and you know look look at the look at the movies through the mirror. So wait, laser disc? <laughs> yes. Laser disc. Laser disc and a television. I don't know what to say about that. Wow. I mean, three hours is a long time. I I'm all about watching movies. It's just like laser disc. It, it wasn't, I guess, I don't know. Maybe the same people who were just like, you guys chose wrong when you chose VHS over beta. They're probably the same people oh, that have like, oh, shit. you know what? I got Tootsie on Laserdisc if you want to watch it, you know. <laughs> the director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> the, the deep Tootsie director's cut? Yes. Behind the scenes. Yeah. So, you know, here in King of New York, when he said I got birch beer, it actually was ginger red. Oh my god. <laughs> Inside baseball for you. The Lawrence Fishburne collection. <laughs> Abel Ferreira is like, this is bullshit. I never signed off on this. Uh, Michael Keaton was alleged to have earned $11 million for reprising his role as Batman. The uh, Warner Brothers executive was ve- executives were very uneasy with this. He was like, we ain't paying this motherfucker anything. Um, however, Tim Burton was like, nah, he's he has deserve, he's got, he deserves it. Y'all need to make it happen. This is my bat. I like that. I like that he was, you know, he wasn't trying to cast, you know, Johnny Depp as Batman or whatever. So, oh my God, Johnny yeah. Depp as Batman. Well, Batman's like too hot, then. 21, <laughs> 21 Bat Street? <laughs> Not 21 Bat Street. Oh my God. Booker is Bullock? No, I don't know. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Booker definitely would have been on like the Gotham police force, 100%. Oh my God. 
I mean, if they kept going with that series, they would have dug up his body and said, look, we're going to, he's not dead. We're going to figure this out. We're going to make this a thing. Just dangly earrings and leather jackets with the collars turned up. Oh my God. Uh, on biography, uh, Catwoman, um, Her Many Lives, uh, two, that was from 2004, Michelle Pfeiffer said that her Catwoman costume was vacuum sealed once um, she was fitted into it for, for scenes. So she actually had um, a short amount of time to perform whatever she was doing in those scenes because she would get lightheaded and pass out. She also admitted that uh, when she first was learning to use the whip, she accidentally cut her trainer's face with it. Uh, <laughs> That's not funny, she, but wow. And would she act like a complete gentleman? Oh, it's, it's fine. Half his face is just falling off. It's just like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's, tis only a scratch and it's like his jawline is now open i mean that whip did look serious you know it was yeah and there was a lot of whip action uh better whip action her indiana jones oh man come on they're, they're, i know they're different whips and i know he used his more but i think hers was more effective yeah i'm gonna I, I can i can agree with you on that uh, we, we got we got a lot to talk about about Michelle Pfeiffer's character. Um, several modifications. You're you're gonna love this. This is where it starts to get great. Okay. Several modifications were made to the bat suit, including the color scheme, the chest plate, and Michael Keaton had a personal request of having a zipper added to the pants. He's like, I got a bat piss, and I got to pull my bat with my my bat joint, my bat wiener. Well, let's yeah? face it. I mean, this is this is a reasonable thing. You know what I mean? Come on. <laughs> Let's remember when uh, I I think you listened to it when me and Dom did the Robocop one and freaking Peter Weller is dying in armor. It's like, I am sweating my life away. Can I pee? No. No. Pissing your suit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. And his uh, bat boots were made out of Jordan sixes, I believe. So that's ridiculous. who, who, Who knew it? You know, Michael Keaton was like a sneakerhead. He was like, yo, look, you know, my man Jordan was like, look, I need. You know, I got these for you, the Batman edition. <laughs> Why haven't they come out? It's like, yo, we got like the bat boots. Yo, if they came out as like some some dead stock retro Jordan refits, it's like, look, we got the bat, you got the bat sixes. I'm here for it. Listen, no, call them the Gotham sixes. This oh is my God. you're going full Kendall Roy right now. Like that's who I'm picturing would be like, yeah, I'm gonna need a pair of those sent to me. I can see the colorway already. They're like they're just the regular Jordan sixes. The 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 logo, right? The Jordan Jumpman logo is the yellow of the emblem, right? And then the sole is gray. Boom, done. Done. Okay, you're, sol- My- you're solving Michael- the world's problems. And Michael's Keaton's face is the sole inside the shoe. I don't think we should do that. Who? I don't want to step on his face every time I. You know what I mean? Okay, it should be on the tongue. Then is that better? I guess. So at, at around the 90-minute uh, mark, Danny <laughs> DeVito refused a stand-in for the scene where Penguin is um, pelted with rotten food by an angry mob. He's like, yeah, throw that shit at me. I don't give a shit. What I want to know is, in anywhere in your trivia, does it say whether or not it was scripted when he's like, why do people bring tomatoes and fruit to speeches? Remember when, he, <laughs> when people start pelting him, he turns and he's like, why do people bring tomatoes and fruit to speeches? And I'm just like, this, every human that's ever seen this has thought that. Great line. That's great. Yeah. That's great. It's a great line. He, he, re- he remains obviously in character between, um, between takes or what have you, which this is how it's done. Uh, uh, Jared Leto, don't be an asshole. Uh-oh. Uh, I'm just saying. 
the, this is the first film. That you, this is this is interesting. It shows you how old this movie is. Um, it's thirty years old. Uh, this is the first film uh, made in Dolby Digital. Oh wow! Then, then known as Dolby um, SRD. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Annette Bening was originally casted as Catwoman. I, I, I know you knew feel this like I remember that. That was kind of like a, a premiere magazine type thing, you know, of like, mm-hmm. yeah, I could see that. Um, so she became pregnant. Um, Michelle's uh, salary was $3 million, uh, which was $2 million more than what they offered Benning. Interesting. She's like, if you want me, this is what I need. Well, Michelle Pfeiffer was definitely, and I don't want to say was, like, ooh, what it has been, but like, you know, she definitely was like a different tier of mm-hmm. actress in which she was commanding. Um, this movie, in its first three days, and it was a record at the time, made $47.7 million in its first three days. Wow. This, was, um, this movie was uh, presented as, and I think this is why it works so well, kind of going to what I was talking about earlier, like how this worked as my like first Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this was pitched as a standalone. It, it had no connections to the first one. Uh, so neither Tim Burton nor Michael Keaton had been signed up in advance for a sequel. Burton came on board after the script met, met all of his demands. Um, he had not been entirely happy about the 89's movie's uh, screenplay. He didn't while like Keaton it. On, while Keaton only agreed to do the second film after a serious salary hike and Burton's assurance that um, it would mostly be a standalone uh, movie without being like a direct sequel. Yes, he did not like it. He thought that it was boring and um, kind of like, what's the point of doing this? What's the point of it being a comic book if this is what you were going to do? If you're just going to make a drama? Like, where's mm-hmm. the where's the fantasy? Right. Security was so so tight. This this is this is going to be great. Security was so tight um, on a production that even Kevin Costner was refused permission to visit the set. Warner Brothers employees employed a private investigation firm uh, to take shots of Danny DeVito in costume, and, which made it to the tabloid in tabloids. Wow, Kevin Costner, huh? He's like, get the fuck out of here! You can't. <laughs> he's like, who Wait, are you again? Is that like the second time that he's been disliked like that? Because remember in like the Madonna documentary when like he comes backstage and then he leaves and then she like puts her finger down her throat like ugh when he and then it's in the movie. <laughs> it's yeah. It's like wow, you have to do with him like that. And you know what's really funny about this as well? This is this this is while he's filming the bodyguard. They're just like we don't care. What if they had let? He's like, I, I was Elliot Ness, motherfuckers. What if they had like let Whitney Houston come by and not him? God, that would have been oh so my. funny. We need a new Catwoman. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know what that list looked like. I knew about Annette Benning for some reason, but oh, we got. I got a list for you. Oh, okay. I got a list for you. Okay, sounds good. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer went through how many Catwoman suits in this six-month shoot? By the way. And I, I'll, you give me the number, and, and I'll tell you how much each suit costs. Just give me a number anywhere that comes to mind for you. So you're uh, you're not saying test suits like Robocop. You're saying how many of the because once they sealed it on her, that's it. It's one time use. Yep, it's I think like so. literally a condom. Okay. Wow. So, hmm. She's in little, six months, by the way. She's in a lot of scenes, and she moves a lot too. Um. Okay, I'm going to say five. 
Michelle Pfeiffer went through 60 Catwoman suits 60? during the six during the six month shoot and each cost oh each cost a thousand dollars. So they spent sixty thousand dollars in latex. Yes. Latex and in stables. Because here's well, go ahead, go ahead. okay. So they can't make those look identical. But then I guess it's fine. Not that people were necessarily checking for that. We didn't have the internet for people to go back and be like, rrr, 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 rrr. but like, mm-hmm. you know, allegedly, kind of like in a Spider-Man or Peter Parker type way, she was sewing this herself. Yeah. So, you know, it has like kind of that like iconic white stitching on it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she would have been doing that herself. So, uh, you know, Selena Kyle. So yeah. it, they could look different. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I, you know, I tore, I tore this uh, yesterday, robbing this bank and beating up this dude in an alley. So I need to fix this, okay. or, or later in the movie when she has like the damage to the the mask and all of that, which looks yes, really cool. By the way, it's great when her hair is coming out. It's great. Yeah. All good um, girls go to heaven. Well, at the uh, hour and six minute uh, point of the movie, during one scene, Michelle Pfeiffer puts a live bird in her mouth. You remember the scene? I sure do. Um, they had bird puppets, puppets on set, but but Pfeiffer brought um, thought it would look too fake, so she actually used a real bird. Listen, Ozzy Osbourne, let's be careful about our winged accidents. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> Stop! And so, you remember V, right? That show. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what year it was? Like what year uh, that show debuted? I think it was in the eighties. It had to be the, like V, the final battle. That was eighty four. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so it would have been before this because that's like one of the yeah. one of the major scenes that happens when like the friggin' main V chick like unhinges her jaw right. and like puts a bird mm-hmm. in there and everyone's like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because the original miniseries was uh, was eighty three. So yeah, still yeah, a few years before, uh, probably about ten actually. Um, yeah, that's I can't do the birds. Can't do the birds. Uh, and just imagine if they said, look, you know, behind Hollywood, whatever, like behind the scenes Hollywood, we get the bird story, the bird side of the story. Yeah. So yeah, when back in the day, you know, they used to do anything on the set. They didn't have any protection for us. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer just put me in her whole mouth, just my whole body. Did y'all see that? And, you know, when I was complaining about it, all they told me was birds of a feather flock together. And I was like, wow. Mm, mm, You know, mm. so when we went to the union, you know, good feathers. (laughs) The good feathers union rep. I mean, it's Warner Brothers, so it all works, by the way. It all works. And then Tweety was talking to me. It's like, look, man, you got to calm down. Sometimes (laughs) it's just like that. I was like, sit your big ass head down. I don't care about that. You signed the release, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they gave you a release? It's like, <laughs> yo. <laughs> so the the uh, the Batman costume weighed 55 pounds. <laughs> mm. It's still heavy as shit. He's like, look, it can't be heavy and not have a dick hole. I gotta, I gotta pee. Basically. I gotta figure this out. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's like, can these shoes be more fashionable? Like, can I? <laughs> yeah, the bad boot doesn't get a lot of, you know, it doesn't get a lot of play. Like when we're looking, it's, no. it's always the utility belt. Or the gauntlets. The breastplate. Yeah. That's, that's what or the codpiece. That too. Mm-hmm. If you're Schumacher. Oh, boy. There's only one. Or sh- the bat nipples. There can only be one Schumacher. Nipples. There's only one. I mean, it's bat nipples and codpieces. And a little bat cheek, too. 
The bat butt? Bat booty, yeah. <laughs> butt man that's or Gotham, whatever. That's Gotham City's ass. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's great. It's just him flying around, geeks out. It's like, yo. It's like, can you cover that with your cape, sir? Prince is like, finally, everyone's doing it now. <laughs> Shit. It's starting this trend. Right. Uh, so around 28 minute in order in 28 minute to get um cats to surround selena as she's knocked out the filmmakers this is great but also funky they put tuna inside of a dummy version of selena um and put tuna on selena's suit so it made the cats like hey what's going on hey what's going on just like licking on the suit so that's a dummy of selena kyle michelle pfeiffer smothered in like tuna juice that sounds like a disturbing sorority hazing method, I have to say. That is funny. And this movie, <laughs> there's some really, some really interesting takes on, like, I guess, I don't know, like, transformation through animals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's, I don't, and maybe that's just something, I guess, in a fairy tale way that Tim Burton was interested in. Yeah, I, I think in, in the oral history, that's definitely a point that's, that's brought up um, in it. And I, I want to talk about, um, and, I, and I got this a little bit later, but I want to talk about the poster a little bit. So definitely keep that in your, your the back of your head. Um, this was the first Batman adaptation in which the real names of Penguin and Catwoman are used, are, are established in the comics. Oh, really? So, yes, yeah, the first time these names are used. So Oswald Cobblepot and Selina Kyle. Huh. Interesting. Selena's a black name, by the way. It is. I mean, Catwoman, in my mind, is a, a black woman. Um, and just, that name definitely, yeah, lends itself wow. to that. Exactly. Uh, David Bowie had been previously considered to play the Joker in 1989. <laughs> I mean, You're going to love this. You're going to love this part. Okay. He was the first choice to play Max Shrek. Before Christopher Walken was cast, Bowie turned the role down um, in favor for Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me. In addition, the role of Max Zorin, A View to Kill from 1985, is also played by uh, Christopher Walken, was initially offered to Bowie. So they're just taking each other's roles? I mean, there is a similar... There's a, there's a, it's as similar as it's probably ever gotten on planet Earth because... One of the things that I think that Danny DeVito, as an actor, who's probably one of those people that doesn't, he's never going to get everything that he deserves in terms Mm -hmm. of just being like having a very, very long career in which he consistently shows up and and does what we want him to do. Um, But Danny DeVito, Christopher Walken, David Bowie, you can't just swap out actors like that if you need Danny DeVito for something. You can't be like, oh, we'll just hire Robin Williams. You know what I mean? Like, and Christopher Walken is a similar actor. And then, so yeah, David Bowie is probably the only person that you could think of that, you know, is kind of like, I could see where you would slide him in there. Um, But yeah, you can't just swap out those actors. No substitutions. 100%. I mean, I can see, I could see him in the '89 Batman as the Joker as well, uh, David Bowie. There's a um, version of the Joker that is yeah. that, yeah. Uh, Meryl Streep was briefly considered for the role of Catwoman, by the way, but uh, Tim Burton rejected her because uh, he felt that she was too old for the role. Um, for context, she is nine years older than Michelle Pfeiffer. 
do you think that, okay, so if we're talking Michelle Pfeiffer, Meryl mm-hmm. Streep, mm-hmm. do you think that comic book roles still have that appeal to quote unquote serious actors and actresses? Uh, mm, that's an interesting question. Uh, I think, I think it, I think then it may have been pitched differently. We've been inundated with comic book movies the way that they've, they've been for so many years that it has a certain different stank on it. it it's more of a check than I'm going to have fun here. Um, and then you have some instances like obviously, uh, uh, like look at the, uh, no way home. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you had actors that have some acclaim, you know, coming back 20 years later, essentially with uh, Willem Dafoe during a movie that is just like, yeah, this is this is you, this is kind of beneath you a little bit now, isn't it? But he's like, I'm going to I'm going to make up for something I felt that was a little flat and I'm going to go off on it. And then you have the other side with Alfred Molina was like, I need this check. So whatever. And he gives a socks. He does very well in the movie. Um, so I think that there is like a piece of it that's like, hmm, some people are going to do these prestige pieces, but I think you have either you're going to pop up in a comic book movie or you're going to pop up as some sort of like aging dude in a John Wick-esque movie. Like um, I'm looking at the DVD right now, like Brad Pitt and Bullet Train. Okay. I have, I that, at least of, that's my thinking. I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of um, Brad Pitt. Okay. Yeah. But I, I, I will say one person that I just wouldn't see popping up in it because it still has that sort of comic book stink. I don't see DiCaprio doing one of these or Tom Cruise doing one of these. Specifically, Tom Cruise wouldn't. DiCaprio could be coaxed into it if, let's say, you know, a director that he really jams with, let's say like Tarantino or Scorsese, who probably wouldn't do it after all of the talking he's done. If they said, look, I'm going to do a comic book movie. That's the only way I think you get him doing it. Yes, and hmm, I know we, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna attempt to make us go too far afield, but I guess no, please. There's also maybe a distinction between like comic book and like graphic novels, you know? Because mm-hmm. it's like, would Leonardo DiCaprio be in Watchmen? Would he do that? You know, like no, that's, that's legit. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree with you that it seems it seems deliberate on his part that he's kind of stay away from that. But as you also pointed out, he is kind of he's a director's actor. He likes to work for directors that he likes. And in in, in a sense of the what we were talking about earlier with Jack Nicholson, like here's this advice. His, his advice has been to like the Timothy Chalamets of the world. Yeah, don't do action movies. Don't I mean don't do like comic book movies. Stay away from that shit. So it's just like it's like, but what you're doing it now? Ah, <laughs> it was different then. <laughs> I'm the wolf of Gotham. You're like what? what? You're like those are two different movies. <laughs> are they? <laughs> it's like shit. <laughs> when did Danny Elfman get here? It's just like shit. Well, Michelle Pfeiffer is there, so. Well, so so okay. Now I'm going to give you a lot of casting stuff. I'm ready. Um, so I'm going to preface this by. At the time of the filming of this movie, uh-huh. the Penguin's character is supposed to be 33 years old. Danny DeVito is 46 at that time. Okay. So just, just for context, um, there is no universe where that character is 33. It's like, yo, you've been living underground and aging oh, right. precipitously. Like that, yeah, I'm like, that 
doesn't make sense. Yeah. So here's the people, and I'm, I'm going to get it's a laundry list. Um, so Dustin Hoffman was originally the first choice to join the movie as Penguin, but he declined. Dudley Moore, Marlon Brando, John Candy, Bob Hoskins, Ralph Waite, Dean Martin, Alan Rickman, Phil Collins, Charles Gruden, Ben Kingsley, John Goodman, Christopher Lee, Joe Pesci, Ray Liotta, Gabriel Byrne, Alex Rocco, and Christopher Lord were all considered for the role before Danny DeVito got it. (laughs) It is a vastly different movie if you see fucking... Like Alan Rickman. No, better yet, Phil Collins pop up. Gabriel Byrne. Right. Bob Hoskins. Hmm. I mean, Joe <laughs> Pesci and Ray Liotta both were in conversations. Joe Pesci, I understand. I get I get where they're going with that. And this is both coming off of Goodfellas, by the way. <laughs> so just imagine I mean, if he just plays it like his character from Goodfellas. I that's mind blowing. <laughs> then it really does turn into good feathers. Oh my god! Yes. Oh my yes. god! I want it. Well, okay. So I guess all of this goes back to who do we think the penguin is? Like, like, mm-hmm. and so, like, who is the penguin as a character? And I think that's one of the reasons why I said like that. I was really surprised to see them try to take that character on, though. I do, after watching it again, after so long, feel like I kind of get it. To me, this movie is a spiritual cousin of the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Because Mm. there's a lot of this kind of like grotesque view of wealth. Like if you have Mm. the Cobblepots versus the Waynes, you know, the cobble pots are like the worst idea of what it means to be a rich person. They're selfish. Mm-hmm. They're cruel. They discard their own son. You know, mm-hmm. like their mansion is decadent and and um, it's not, it's the opposite of the Wayne's, this universe's version of what the Wayne's believe that wealth is supposed to do. And so, you know, kind of like, what is the, what are the responsibilities of the rich? So like, I think this version of Penguin is definitely supposed to be like, I don't know, almost a game, Game of Thrones kind of like, you know, cause when he goes biblical Moses at the end, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm going to kill all the, the first sons, <laughs> you're just like, this turned into the Prince of Egypt somehow, you know, like, um, I think kind of that's it's that merged with this very literal like penguin identity, which is only something that like Tim Burton would come up with. I would have never imagined in a million years like, oh, wow, you meant like a penguin, you know, like penguin is called penguin because I mean, he has like the weird laugh, which who knows where that actually came from. But, you know, because (laughs) he looks like the, you know, Joe Monocle or whatever that guy from Monopoly is. You know, when you wear a tuxedo wow, and you look like a penguin, like I always assumed that's where his name came from. Not that he was like ac- actually like a penguin, a paranormal bird, you know? Like- <laughs> so, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. Just, just because you mentioned it, I got to tell you the guy's name from Monopoly. What's his name? Rich Uncle Moneybags. <laughs> Are you serious? 
I am. That's his name? Yes. Rich Uncle Moneybags. <laughs> wow. I had no had idea. No work was done there. Just like No, but they they but they made him to a literal penguin and it that goes back to your your point about um the animal thing. Like he he's literally an animal the way that he's being depicted. Like he eats like an animal, he reacts like an animal in some regards. Uh and even the thing with Catwoman and her transformation and the whole literal nine lives thing. I love that, by the way. Like the idea mm-hmm. that it's like, because it's almost <clears throat> explanation for kind of like fairy tale logic comic book nonsense of just mm-hmm. like, how is this chick not dead? And it's like, no, I, right. I literally have like nine lives. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. And, uh, you know, this movie was considered to be too dark when it came out initially. You mean dark in tone? Yes. It's very dark. I mean, and that's one of the reasons I like it so much. Yeah, it's very dark. Like um, those campaign posters of mm-hmm. um, of um, Oswald Cobblepot's mayoral run. Yeah, they <laughs> look like I couldn't find an exact match for match and I, it was certainly not a Google search that I wanted to go too far down. But to me, it reminded me of like propaganda posters from like pre-World War II Germany of like, I agree. you know, cause he's like got an umbrella and it's like the rain. And then it's like, you know, let's return Gotham to, you know, it's former glory type thing. And I was like, I can't, Oh, and this is the other Let's make thing. Gotham great again. Yes. <laughs> and this is the other thing. So, mm-hmm. okay. I don't know if you had this crazy sensation, but mm-hmm. when, when Oswald Cobblepot goes into his campaign war room that is like apparently downstairs from wherever he was, I don't know what the hell that was. He walked down a staircase <laughs> and he was like, hey guys, the campaign kickoff party is here. It was like, what the hell is this tunnel? Where were they? Um, right, right. But so Max Shrek casually drops the term Reichstag fire. And so this was an act of arson against the German parliament. And then the Nazis claimed that the communists were planning violence, which basically gave them the right to abolish a bunch of constitutional protections and like paved the way for like Nazi dictatorship and Max Schreck says the word con- the constitution twice in this movie where he's just like at one point he says something to I laughed at this like out loud he was like give the constitution a rest it's Christmas he says that to like another character I was just like <laughs> wait so like it's tonally it's extremely dark and like I feel like this penguin is almost a bit more like um I don't see him in Arkham. He's like a, he's more like a, um, so uh, like a cross between like a banker corporate villain Mm -hmm. and then, but with kind of that sexual depravity that they are dancing around like a lot in the movie. What did you think of that? Like, what did you think of like him just like leering at everybody and like (sighs) that black stuff leaking out between his teeth when he's like, reaching for Michelle Pfeiffer's boob or whatever. What did you think about that? 
it was disgusting. <laughs> and I like that she I like that she played it up one time that like she was just like licking herself. He's like, <laughs> he reminds me of someone I know. I was like, less, just a, just a bit less. Uh, no, I, I, I think that the way that I've always seen Penguin to kind of step back a little bit is because we get these different iterations of he could be the gangster enforcer somehow connected with the mob or what have you or the underworld in Gotham as mm-hmm. we kind of got in the Batman movie which I think worked worked very well um, he's kind of a joke but if you get rid of all the people that knew stuff then somehow you can move up because there's nobody left um, right so I think that 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 works um, and I think this iteration is kind of we cut past all of that and this is almost he took over the Joker's gang almost. Because don't they show up like art? Because that was giving me serious like Batman Beyond vibes. Because like in the first big set piece at the tree lighting ceremony, this, that's my favorite scene in the movie. It's great. Way. It's basically like there's like a circus theme and there are clowns but no Joker. Aren't there clowns? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I think what we're supposed to take from it. I don't know if they exactly did it. Or maybe they referenced it, but he was in the circus. Mm-hmm. And this movie was supposed to have Robin in it, which you, you already can see it. You already see it happening. Was it? That, I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, people got racist because uh, this is where they wanted to have Marlon Wayans play uh, Robin. I have and never like, heard nah, this in my life. Robin could never be black. Robin could never be Are black. You, Let's really? move on. I never heard yeah. that. Huh. Like this movie had a very divisive sort of nah. We didn't like this. We didn't like Max Shrek. Max in, in one one um, draft, Max Shrek was supposed to be his brother, um, uh, the Penguin's brother. And going with that whole thing of oh, I was the bastard child or the forgotten child, and you got everything. Oh, kind of explaining how Max you know, has his money and all of that. I think that would have worked. Mm-hmm. I think that would have worked. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go over the rest of the casting for uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's uh, role. Yeah, uh, let's Cameron. do it. I want to hear it. <sighs> Oof. Other candidates in the running for the role um, were Lorraine Bracco, Cher. Cher's Catwoman would have been fire. Yes. Uh, Gina Davis, Bridget Fonda, Jodie Foster, Nicole Kidman. So in the, in the, in the game early, Jennifer Jason Lee, Madonna, Demi Moore, Susan Sarandon, Brooke Shields, Lena Olin, uh, Meryl Streep, Sigourney Weaver, Madeline Stowe, Raquel Welsh, uh, Jennifer Beals, Deborah Winger, <laughs> Reba McIntyre, and Melanie Griffin. So basically, everybody. <laughs> every white That's chick. Every working actress. I, I think it could have worked. If you're going to go super sexy, it would have worked with Madonna. Um, it would have worked with Cher. Uh, and then you start to kind of like go in different directions. I think it could have worked with Sigourney Weaver. And I'm thinking of that iteration of Catwoman when she's kind of got like the purple suit and some, and the hair is coming out of the back. I just need like big floof in the back. Big floof. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's not going to be a name of mine. And no big black floof. women except for Jennifer Beals is biracial. Yeah. No black women. We, we don't, we don't do the blacks. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, there, there is an arc, as you put it, you know, when Houston just goes to subject in his role. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like, in the days of, like, when Phil Collins is considered for a role, because this was when it was, like, Sting and everybody is like, I'm going to act, too. And, you know, their studios were like, I guess so. Listen, you owe us three more albums and don't think that Christmas album counted as one of them. You know, like, <laughs> so, 
you know, like that's the kind of, those are the kind of people that were like making movies. So I get that, but I'm like, yeah. 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 And I, and I think it's, 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 you're right. I think it's a good point because we had Billy D Williams in the first one is freaking Harvey Dent. So you can't do the race game. Now you, you races white people from 1992. <laughs> exactly. Like not, I mean, you just feel like they could have found one person to be like, here's the token black person of this list. We weren't actually considering you, but we're going to pretend Angela we Bassett. were. <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, I mean, you know, uh, that's who it would have been. Um, Probably. 1992 is like, if you're done getting beat up by, by wow, I can't wait and for this. What's love got to do with it. And what's love got to do with it. Cause that would have been filming. Uh, if you're done getting beat up by Lawrence Fishburne. How about you do this? Oh my God. You did not say that. Okay. You know what? Here's, here's the universe I want it to be. Okay. Because he already has a connection. Mm-hmm. He likes to do favors. Okay. Vanity as Catwoman. I mean, I, again, I'm surprised that that wasn't tossed out there. Even for Prince on a new soundtrack. Even for somebody to be like, absolutely not. Like, I'm, I'm just surprised that somebody like that wasn't on the list. Downtown Julie Brown as Catwoman. I mean, why not? There were no black actresses getting any work in the early 90s. That just unfortunately wasn't a thing. It wasn't, and it's it's crap um, because. So what you're saying is, Kim Wayans as Bat as, as Catwoman. Shut up! Oh my god! <laughs> just, both two Wayans. Batman returns. Her crazy energy would have turned that into a major comedy. Uh, look. Let's see. Um, according to Tim Robbins, I mean, to Tim Burton, not Tim Robbins. According to Tim Burton, um, Michael Keaton was already set to do Batman Forever, but he decided to later turn down the role because he disliked Joel Schumacher's ideas. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be in this. I think I'm all set. He might have made the right move. Uh, yes, because you're throwing around a cod piece. But would, would that have been a better movie, though, if, if Keaton was, was in it versus um, Val Kilmer? I don't have a problem with Val Kilmer's Batman. Um, and I don't dislike that movie either. I think that honestly, the worst part of that movie is a lot of the terrible dialogue that they give Nicole Kidman. And obviously mm-hmm. she didn't write her own dialogue and she does the best that she can with it. But like that sort of breathy <laughs> thing that they wanted, but then she's like a psychiatrist. I was just like, I don't understand what is happening here. What was her name in it? Chase Meridian. <laughs> That's a terrible name. It is <laughs> some horrid. Ghastly. What? Mm. Yeah. I it is I think, so ghastly. I, I think the problem with those two Schumacher movies versus the two Tim Burton movies, like visually, it, it look like diff, vastly different universes. It's just like, all right. Because, I mean, they're presented to, from a marketing standpoint as sequels to each other. Mm-hmm. But if, in theory, they're all just standalone movies, because theoretically, after you leave Burton Land, who said his movies are not sequels, well, the second one's not a sequel to the first one, then you're just kind of one-offs with different Batmans after that. You go from George Clooney, you go to George Clooney from Val Kilmer, and they look nothing alike. It's true. The visual language just isn't there. And that's definitely something that they, just because of the kind of director that Tim Burton is, you're definitely going to have that, you know? Yeah. 
And it's and it's interesting because the same kind of I guess criticisms that maybe he was getting there, not the same, but the same sort of criticisms that, you know, we look back on, it's like, this movie's too dark visually, right? And too dark stylistically and tonally. It's the same stuff that kind of like Zack Snyder's getting. Your stuff, it's stylized, but it's too dark. The, the color doesn't work. And it's like, well, you know, some of this stuff is is dark. I, I don't need a bunch of color from, from Batman. Like, the uh, the Batman was like in this sort of sepia tone. And that worked. It did work. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about your Catwoman list now. And, hmm, I don't, the reason why none of them do it for me, none of the other choices do it for me. Mm-hmm. And I like Michelle Pfeiffer. I liked her portrayal. I think because it doesn't work for me, any of the other actresses on that list, because the Catwoman that she created, that Michelle Pfeiffer created, Mm-hmm. to me is a predecessor of the current Harley Quinn. Yep. Like mm-hmm. athletic, quippy, um, done wrong by every man she knows, you know, and. And not, not against telling you about it too, because there is this sort of feminist take with uh, Catwoman in the movie, I think. Yeah. You know, and I can't, I can't see any of those people as Harley Quinn, but I see a younger, and I'm not trying to be ageist about it, but like I see a younger Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, yeah, she could have had two ponytails that were blue at the bottom and, you know, have done that at some point if that's what she wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So here's, here's the two cameo notes real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, We we already touched on uh, Paul Rubens, um, but uh, Diane Salinger, um, was also with him um, in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So they reunited to play Penguin's um, parents at the beginning of the movie. That's and they great. They together pro- previously in uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure in 1985. When they share a martini before they go murder their son. It's pretty great. After he murders a cat, by the way. He does murder the cat. Also, where is that custom cage crib? I mean, Jeez. I feel like it's somewhere in Burton. Does he? There should be Burton World. I know that he had a big exhibit that I missed of his art. Burton world there should it's, be. It's, it's, it's just Halloween town or wherever the hell, um, like the fat girls that have tattoos of him live for uh, the nightmare. After I didn't say Christmas that listeners. Night. I did not say uh, that. I'm a fat guy. <laughs> so, so this, this is, this relates to the podcast, but, uh, I don't think you're going to get the reference, but the people who listen to the podcast will get the reference. So trip Shrek because I don't think you listened to this episode, who um, tr- um, Chip Shrek, who's um, his uh, Max's uh, son, right? He big dude, what have you. He plays Zangief in the Street Fighter movie. He looks... Two, two years later. He looks like somebody who does something like that. His teeth are weird because it looks like he got capped too many... They got capped too many times. He got the Denzel Washington plan of like, don't, <laughs> don't cap my teeth once, but do it twice. So he looks he, like he's a professional wrestler or like something like that. And I believe he's played Leatherface twice. Oh, really? He's yeah, he's an enormous, you know, these terrible sequel reboot whatever's. <clears throat> All right, here's some spoilers real quick. Um you're going to love this first one, I think. Okay. So, the final shot of the film. Can you describe the final shot of the film for us, please? And the final shot of the film after one of my favorite moments, which is when Bruce Wayne picks up her cat and takes the cat home with him. They get in the car and drive away. The bat signal is shown. And then 
you see Catwoman from the back stand up and look at it. Thank you. So the shot had to be filmed on a weekend less than a day after um, conception. So before the movie's supposed to come out. <laughs> and with a double for Michelle Pfeiffer, right? This cost, this single shot cost $250,000. What was the problem? Why did they not shoot this before? I, I, I don't think it was going to be in it. I think they were like, yeah, yeah. I, I, my understanding is there was a possibility of doing a Catwoman sequel or a Catwoman spinoff. That's what everybody thought was going to, I can tell you right now, that's what everybody thought was going to happen in the movie theater. And people I, are like, guess, yeah, Catwoman. <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hissing the Danny Elfman theme. <laughs> Shit. It's amazing. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, the 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 Christmas uh, the final Christmas ball scene is quite symbolic. Um, since it's a masquerade, all the guests are in disguise. Uh, the only two that are actually weren't wearing masks are Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle, <laughs> right. which implies they are real personalities of Batman and Catwoman, respectively. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, and at the end of the opening, uh, you'll love this. This again has to do with your thing. At the end of the opening credits, Oswald Crab, uh, Oswald's crib lands on a ramp and a pool in the zoo's penguin exhibit. Uh, when Oswald dies, the penguins perform a funeral march by dropping him in the water via the same ramp. It's just like the story's epilogue. So storytelling, right there. I mean, I didn't know what to think at that moment. As like. <laughs> Penguins gave him a Viking funeral. I just, it, he went there. He went there. So here's the, here's the fun part. Mm-hmm. Now we're past all of the trivia and all of that. I got some observations, what works, what doesn't work, favorite scenes, and then MVP of the movie. And then we can, uh, you know, hit the bat signal or what have you. <laughs> so I want to start off with some observations and questions, right? Okay. <clears throat> so. Now, revisiting what we were kind of touching on a little bit earlier, of the 1990s Batman movies, so there are four of them, I believe, um, where does this rank for you? No, there are three of them. 89 is is an 80s movie. So out of the three, where this did, and this doesn't count any of the animated ones, because technically Mask Mask of the Phantasm and all of that stuff, while great, I really want to stick with the cinematic ones. Where where does this rank for you of those three? So Batman Returns, Batman and Robin, and Batman Forever. This is the best one, um, and this because I have watched all the Batman movies multiple times, and mm-hmm. this is one of the ones that continues to get better and more interesting, and I see more and get more out of them over time. I, I agree with this. This one is head and shoulders above the uh, latter two. Um, the Batman Forever was marketed a lot to me. Um, it had a lot of good marketing tie-ins. I, I, I remember very well. I remember we had the Riddler um, glass from McDonald's. It was like a mug with the Riddler uh, with the question mark as the handle, which was really fire. Um, oh, I wish I had that. And um, Jim Curry was at the peak of his powers, I think, or around the peak of his powers at that time. And so, you know, you had a black character with Vivica A. Fox in it, because shout out to that previous point we were making. <laughs> Correct. Um, 
But I, I think this movie is kind of the of the 90s sort of and kind of this thing I touched on earlier. This is the entry point to getting the Batman, the animated series, which is the best bar none iteration of Batman through the 90s. And that's where you bring the movies back in the animated films. Um, if you connect all of that stuff, Batman Returns is the precursor before you get any of that stuff, just when it comes out con- uh, chronologically. That's true. And and the Batman that you see and hear in Batman the Animated Series is most like Michael Keaton's Batman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Michael Keaton's Batman, how floofy was Keaton's floof in this movie? <laughs> So I need to set I need to set this up a little bit for Please. for our wonderful listeners who may not be uh, acquainted with the. You're gonna get it though. So in the first Batman movie in 1989, you have Michael Keaton's hair, and in one scene, looks like it is facing off <laughs> with Robert Wool's hair. At that time. A lot of white guys in movies that didn't have kind of like, you know, straightish, you know, Kyle MacLachlan hair, you know, if there was any texture to it, whether because it just naturally had it or because it had a perm, they would make this kind of like pompadour in the front. And we were watching the movie and the two of them are facing each other talking. Robert was like, wait, it's like they're having a foof off. It's like they're foof. (laughs) Stop it. He's putting his hat on the front of his head. There's like a, 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 a swirl and they're kind of like facing off. So that's where the foof off or floof off um, originates <laughs> is from that movie. And yes, his hair is looking so floofed. And I mean, in this, and it looks like he's a lot of makeup on too, which he doesn't need. I don't understand this. I don't get it. In that, in that first scene, when he's summoned to he's the dark eyeliner. carnival fight, he's wearing eyeliner. He's wearing eyeliner. He's wearing... He's he's wearing a, a Pharaoh eyeliner, uh, who pops up in a Batman movie again. That's the reference. But um, he his floof is a little thin, but it's floofy. Yes. When he turns, it's like hmm, when he has his turtleneck on or what have you. Yes. I was like, oh shit, mm-hmm. you about to beat up some some people with mental illnesses. This is gonna be wild, son. Basically. Uh, here's another question I got for you. Mm-hmm. Is this poster the best Batman poster? of like Batman cinematic, um, where does this rank? Like, is this the best one? Um, is the, is the, the straight like logo fire is it the Nolan stuff of the Batman movies that we've seen on a big screen. Is this the best poster for a Batman movie? Man, that's a good question. That's tough. It's a really good poster. Um, it might be the best poster because I'm not counting. I don't feel like it's fair to, I mean, because I know they have different posters and lobby cards and all these different other marketing print configurations, but I don't want to count some of the really, really clever and fun marketing that they did for The Dark Knight mm-hmm. um, because they weren't necessarily movie posters, you know, with the like car- cartoon crayon, why so serious and like that kind of stuff. That's um, actually really good. Yeah. Yeah, but in terms of being like the old school look of like, here are the villains or when it's just like, you know, friggin' DeVito, Pfeiffer, you know? (laughs) 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 Floof. But I will say, I mean, my favorite is just the the straight seal, like the the yellow gold, like, Mm -hmm. 
That's my favorite. That's iconic. Yeah. That's iconic. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> This this is this is my favorite because I, I like the how how they're stacked and the other thing that I think that makes it work um, as far as how they're depicted in the movie uh-huh. I think is very present in this this uh, in the poster they all look, with the exception of Keaton he's the only person that has color the two of them look like they're zombies because huh. they 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 their faces are white like. You know, Catwoman is like white. She's pale, and uh, the Penguin is a, is white with black shit coming out of his mouth. So, you know, I, I think it kind of gets over that sort of tone of you know. And we're to think that Catwoman has died, by the way, because she gets thrown out a fucking window. But um, bye, bitch. Get out of here. Make my coffee. <laughs> Fuck Shrek. Fuck Shrek. I feel okay. Some, you have yeah, to, you have to yeah, talk. Have about, you have to talk about him now because I feel like you've been wanting to talk about him. So you have to talk about him I, now. I, I, I want to throw out this one last thing, and then we got themes, and I think that's where we could talk about him. Okay. Um, would this movie have worked better? And I remember I mentioned it earlier about um, uh, about adding Robin in it. Would this movie have worked better adding him in it with all of the circus stuff that happens than how they made him work in Batman Forever? Because the circus thing is already there versus Batman Forever, we kind of like have to find the circus situation. No, yeah, I think, I think the two, I think you're onto something. I feel like it just would have fit in more naturally. I also think mm-hmm. that a lot of people would have expected that the second Batman movie would have Robin in it. It's Sonic when you get Tails in the second Sonic movie. I know I just compared Batman to Sonic. You did. Still, you did. But, but well, we're talking. We're talking animals. Yeah, we're talking animals. It's fine. Um, it would have fit in better here. Yeah, I, I think so. And you know, because you know, it, it's at a point where it, this, and I think this is kind of why the latter two movies don't work as well because it's like you're introducing a new character. Like you get bat, you get Batgirl in, in the fourth movie, and it's like, oh shit! At least your Silverstone wasn't there, wasn't she? Shit! Oh boy, Fuck. Uma Thurman. Uh, so okay, themes. What themes pop up in this movie? So I think that's a really good starting point to talk about. You you mentioned wealth earlier, and this sort of gross depiction of it, and the like the polar opposites. Like the Waynes are this. And that's how they're depicted in this sort of philanthropy sort of thing. And where the cobble pots are just like rich assholes, kind of like, eh, get, our child is ugly. Get him out of here. <laughs> our child is ugly. <laughs> send, him to, send him to the gallows uh, and bring me another martini. And you, you have the you have the, the sexist shit that's in there. You have the... And this is why... Max Shrek being a cobble pot would have worked a lot better because the mayor hates this nigga when he's being shitty in the boardroom to um, noted corn dog uh, Selena Kyle. Yes, and he's like, I fucking hate this nigga. That was literally the energy, but they're all being good old boys and sexist as fucking there. Yes, yes. Yeah, she does. She's, she's. What did he say? She's not house trained or some shit. It's, I was like, "Fuck this nigga!" It's ghastly. It's so ghastly. He sucks. His hair is terrible. Um, he was made for the movie, so he like like you touched on earlier. He is a Tim Burton creation. He's not a character. Now, what if they retconned it in the comics, like Shrek Origins, and it's just like him, like with a goatee or something? They, you know, they 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 get uh, Christopher Walken on board. And just like we can use your likeness. 
You know, I love when you do anything origins, you know, because Shrek legacy. <laughs> well, definitely, you know, Max Shrek figures into the theme of the powerful versus the powerless, which mm-hmm. really isn't a versus. I mean, you know, who always wins? But you know, this movie tries to subvert that at least a little bit because both of the villains were literally thrown away by someone more powerful than them. The you know, mm-hmm. Oswald by his own parents, rich and powerful people, and uh, Selena Kyle gets thrown out of a window by her rich and powerful boss. You know, so this kind of like we can just dispose of people that we don't need. Get rid of the lessers. You know, and um, the idea that politicians can just be made like Frankenstein, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of like, well, I need another pocket of power here. And so I'm just going to install this puppet, um, you know, and, and Oswald Cobblepot will be mayor. He'll owe me a bunch of favors. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a pretty open admission that, you know, politics, especially in a city like Gotham, you know, that they're really just, they're not about people at all, but kind of these like an orchestrated theater that's, you know, driven by these very powerful corporations in the background. And wasn't that like, I think one of the, they didn't really go into it super heavy, but I thought that was one of Joker's motivations too. Like I want to run Gotham, like almost like when he popped up on television or what have you. And I just felt like that was kind of a similar thing. Like, I want to run Gotham. Like, whatever these elected officials, fuck them. They can leave. I want to run <laughs> Gotham. However it needs to run. Yes. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And, yeah, you're right. It's very overt. You know, the best thing that Max Shrek did was get electrocuted. I'm just going to say that. Uh, I mean. Because fuck them. <laughs> and then we have, like, another, like, crazy-looking electrocution like we have in the first movie. When the Joker electrocutes yes. that guy with his friggin' hand buzzer. <laughs> that that is that is that is a Tim Burton note. He's like, look, someone's gotta be electrocuted in this. This is why I'm not signing up for Batman forever. No one's being electrocuted, I'm out. Bye. You know, and you can't have Batman without duality. You can't have Batman without duality mm. and like mirror images, like Oswald leaves the two roses by his parents' grave, just like Bruce Wayne does in every mm-hmm. movie. Um, and, um, you know, he, Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle talk, talk, I liked how you brought up that they weren't wearing their masks, um, because, well, they were wearing their masks, these other personas at the, at the mask gray ball. Um, and then I think, I forget who asks him if it's, if it's Alfred that asks Bruce Wayne, but one of them says, you know, was Vicky right about your difficulty with duality? And then Mm, it was, you know, and then I think like he says something about like Ted Bundy and Norman Bates or something. And it's like, is that your, are those your points of comparison with Bruce Wayne? You know, the idea of like the monster with like a human face, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I think the last thing that comes to mind and thinking about, well, obviously, you know, like Catwoman's, you know, her, her competing um, identities you know, I think at one point, Max Shrek says something like, I'm the light of this city and I am yes. its, its mean, twisted soul. You know, it's like, how can you be both of those things? You know, mm-hmm. those, I don't think those two things are going to work together. 
I, I love the the callback to when he goes on stage initially and he's like maybe like a Gotham Santa Claus and she's like give me a kiss Santa Claus before she electrocutes his ass. Yes, 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 yes. Right. It's like fuck him, get him out of here. <laughs> throw him in throw him in a river with the other ones. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think I think the, I think those are the, I think those are the main themes that are in the movie. Um. Yeah, because this this thing with even the carnival or what have you, like, you know, that is a really big, good set piece. And one of uh, Michael Keaton's favorite scenes happens in that that fight. I think when he throws when he gives the uh, bomb to the guy, the the big muscle bound guy, that is his favorite scene that he's shot in the Batman movies. Is it? Yes. That's so funny. (laughs) Because he blows up a motherfucker. He's like, it's about time I get to do something like that. When the Batmobile gets on that long, contrived fucking, like, uh, lift and turns around and torches the flamethrower guy, I was like, okay, mm, a little bit of a delay there. <laughs> <laughs> like, we could do this a little bit more expeditiously. Thanks. <laughs> this Wayne tech is a little slow. <laughs> can we, can you please, yeah. please take us through the part where... Bruce Wayne <laughs> reveals Oswald Cobblebot's true feelings about the city oh, no, no, no. when he plays. That is that's for you. That is for you. So <laughs> it, so politicians, right? Oswald Cobblepot goes a little left. <laughs> this is after this is is this before or after we see him bite a nigga's nose off? Because that is traumatizing, by the way. That is one of his earliest things that happens when he comes from below ground. And they basically he, just give that guy a Band-Aid and go on with their day. Like, fuck off. <laughs> Here's something for your nose. So what does he do again? What is he, how does he get revealed, like, his, his true feelings about Gotham? Okay, so at some point, who knows when he's being recorded by a bat device or whatever. But he says, you know, I played this stinking city like a harp from hell. <laughs> Somehow, Bruce Wayne has this recording and blasts it over, I don't know, Skynet. And Stop. it's on a CD-ROM. Okay, that's it's on a laser disc. That's where the <laughs> good one, good one. It's on a laser disc. He literally puts it into what can only be described as a disc band, and he starts playing it. And of course, everyone's like, "Oh my god, what is this audio we're hearing?" And then he proceeds to scratch <laughs> the CD. So it's like, I played the Stinkin' City, Stinkin' City. I was like, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> to get the Fruity Pebbles, I had the trick Fred. I was like, oh my God. I will kill everybody. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pink, 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 pink. New <laughs> penguin on the track. <laughs> like, shit. But that's when people start booing him. And pelting him, fucking fruit at him like Start throwing fruit Here's at him. bananas, dickhead. Oh, but oh, here's there's one yeah. more there's one more theme slash parallel thing that I did think of is that so Max Shrek has this idea like yeah we're gonna make this guy mayor he's gonna be in my pocket so there's that idea of like the monster that you think you can control mm-hmm. and you know what happens yeah. when they kind of like get off the leash and it was you know, it was an illusion that you ever had control over them in the first place. And it reminds me of the dark Knight when you have that voiceover where Michael Caine's Alfred Mm. is like, you know, they, uh, they took up with a man that they didn't understand. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, you know, the Joker, he's crazy. Yeah. We're going to do these big deals across the city. And then he burns all their money and kills all of them. True. So, um, yeah, it reminded me of that. 
I, I think there is a scene as a callback to the Elephant Man when um, the penguin is just like, I'm not a man, blah, 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 yeah. an animal. Yes, I'm not an animal. Then he takes out his flippers it's, and you're like, mm. it's mm, your hands, sir. <laughs> Catwoman, is the, that's the reason why she was like, I, I can't really get with this. She's like, I was going to give you a chance, but uh, those hands, sir, they're a bit much. So what did you think about... I mean, we, we know, oh God, he, <laughs> I mean, that looked like a real piece of salmon to me. He laid it on the printer for the meeting when they started having the campaign meeting. <laughs> he literally did. He's like, okay, we're just going to put so this gross. down for a minute. And then there's just like salmon coming out of his teeth. It's so gross. <laughs> it's not great. It's not great. Um, what did you think about, well, what did you think of Catwoman? What did you think of Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman? And what did you think about what this movie has to say about that character in comparison with other ways that you've seen her portrayed? Um, I think that uh, upon rewatching, I think it, at one point it felt it was a little on the nose with some of the, and, and it made sense, you know, if you really look back at what Selena Kyle dealt with in that sort of world of like, kind of being you know trivialized and being shitted on and abused as a, as a woman in you know gotham during that time or what have you and being that cat woman is kind of that flip you know i i, I really don't like the extremes too much but i think it made sense for it mm-hmm. um i didn't have a lot of attachment to cat woman in terms of like you know i didn't have eartha kid they could have had her in batman as cat woman in the movie uh i didn't have you know <laughs> julie newmar eartha kid like literally she's my first iteration of Catwoman, uh-huh. and she is she's now second um but she she's she was she was my for a very long time that was Catwoman for me you know it, for me and the, the 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 movie depictions of Catwoman, it's going to go zoe kravitz now mm-hmm. um and then it's Michelle Pfeiffer and then it's um, Anne Hathaway, um, who does not get called Catwoman. She just gets called Selena Kyle. Um, so I, I, I like the way they did. I think she steals a lot of the movie, which is great. She has uh, some of the funniest bits. She does. Um, and just one of the great scenes. A lot of people didn't like the scene. But when she backflips out of the place before it blows up yeah. and says, like, meow, I was like, that's fire. That's great. That is that's the Harley Quinn part. That's the, mm-hmm. what those, that scene specifically definitely makes me think about like, th- that's some, you know, cause it's just chaos and then being like, yay. And, and she plays the, the thing on the roof too, where, you know, even Batman's kind of faux misogyny or what have you. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can't believe you would do that. I'm a woman. And she was like, I was going to finish saying that I should not be underestimated. I was like, ah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, fuck him. You go, sis. And then like when she's like groping him in the cave, she's like, she's like, is that you? And you're just like, okay. <laughs> she licked his entire face at one point. She did. And he stood there. He's like, Ugh. <laughs> and the saved by Kitty Letter thing is, is great. It's yeah, it's great. I agree. How however, there is one piece of dialogue. This is this is this was brings us into what works and what doesn't work. There's one piece of dialogue from her that just does not work. Oh, boy. It's very corny. Okay. Life's a bitch, and so am I. I was like, hmm. It's like, it's a little, not enough sugar in that uh, Kool-Aid there, uh, cats. Yeah, it wasn't. 
It, it wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. Didn't land. It was. It was. It was a little too on the nose, and it's like we get it. You know, I am woman. Hear me roar. Or when she cuts up the dude's face and does tic tac toe on him in a fucking alley, I was like, this is great. Fuck this guy. <laughs> She plays Connect Four on this nigga's face and then ships him off. <laughs> she does. Her and then her, tells the other chick stop being weak and shit too. I was like, damn. Yeah, her her dispatching of the villains is is a lot of fun. It's really fun. Uh, also, I just, I forgot one Catwoman depiction that's been on the big screen. <laughs> this is what set us back. Holly Berry's Catwoman set us back. I've never they, seen they it. They try to do all of the things. All of the things that she does in it, they fail miserably, but they try to replicate this sort of empowerment angle, and it falls flat. She's playing basketball with Benjamin Brad at one point. So, did you see that movie? I saw it on my birthday. <laughs> I had a couple bad birthdays back to back. That's not what anyone should see on their birthday. I saw that, and I think Electra back to back for birthdays. So... <sighs> There you go. Boy, we have a lot to make up for. Um, here's another thing that doesn't work. Max Shrek is just Frank White from King of New York. Yes. I'm almost waiting for him to say, if there's a nickel bag sold in East Gotham, I want in. I'm waiting for him to say that. Yeah, you're right. He is. That's pretty much what's happening here. Yes, correct. So me, I'm pissed off waiting for like Lawrence Fishburne to pop up an Averex jacket and say, look, I shot up West Harlem. We taken over. The Dominicans are gone. I mean, there's definitely the there's plenty of room for him there. There's plenty of room for him to be in a Batman movie. Oh my god! And he's he's been in a Superman movie though, right? Actually, a couple. I think um, this is what I think works about the movie though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Elfman's theme, always, always, yes. Uh, most of the casting, and you know who my exception is. <laughs> You wanted me to talk about Shrek? I got some Shrek. You're right, uh, yes. The directing works. I, I, I think that the the tone, all the stuff that is definitely uh, Tim Burton's fingerprints, his, his black... Uh, um, uh, his black uh, fairy tale heart, yeah. His black penguin juice fingertips. Um, <laughs> it, it works. The set works because of the sheer size of it and the scope of it. It's incredible, um, yeah. Some of, those, some of the, the physical objects... You know, are wow. The the marketing works, and by marketing, I not I extend past even the poster, the tie-ins, the um. Because I, I I again I, I think that it being so close to when um Batman the animated series comes out, and we know how long it takes to do animation, especially then, that they had to have had a conversation. You know, the people that are making like the Paul Dini's of the world and, and, and the gang over there at uh, Warner Brothers, they had to have had a conversation. I think so. so yeah, I, I think all of that is tied uh, the, the video game coming out and being really good. I think all of that just just works. And I think the only kind of shortcoming is they didn't have, at least I don't recall, like a big song, like, you know, a soundtrack or what have you like the Batman 89 has the best soundtrack of any of the Batman movies that have existed. Um, True. And then the biggest song in Batman is probably now we're talking soundtrack. We're not talking score because the Batman score slaps. Oh, the Batman! Yeah, yeah. Yes, the score that is slaps incredible. But uh, "Kiss from a Rose" is a is a huge song. It was. Um, what is it? Uh, what's that? What's the U two song? "Kiss Me, Kill Me, Throw Me," which is also in that soundtrack. It's pretty fire, and I think it has an animated video. I forgot about that Those, song. 
those are kind of good things or what have you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we didn't get like that kind of song for Batman Returns. So did, uh, that's the one kind of marketing shortcoming that I'm thinking of. I'm sure they had like some Beastie Boys song I didn't care about. <laughs> yeah, it's the Batman, yo. It's the Batman. What? It's the Batman. Uh, Death Jam. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the Jordan thing was a missed opportunity, though. I think it they was. should have definitely leaned into that one. Uh, so let's see. One last. No. Oh, so yeah. Favorite scenes. Uh, two favorite scenes that come to mind for you. <sighs> two favorite scenes. Um, I really like. I really enjoy Michelle Pfeiffer's. I don't know what to call it. It's right after her transformation scene, she comes home and kind of trashes her apartment. Um, But I like the way she does it. There's something about, I don't know that I've seen her do something like that before. Like, Is it better than the scene we got from um, (laughs) the Whitney Houston movie yesterday? Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, smash. <laughs> that was <Sorry>. crazy. <laughs> but um, she was really unhinged. Like, I think she does something like she comes in and she acts like she's going to hang her coat up, but she just lets it drop to the floor. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and then she's like doing graffiti and like just, you know, it's it's very Joker, um, but mm-hmm. I I really like it. And it's not something that you get a chance to see you know, necessarily like a female comic book character, a villain, whatever, do that often. So I really like is, that scene. Is that right before she starts stitching our costume? Yes. And she was like, it's so much yummier now? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good scene. She's just, you know, really, because we saw her do the parallel of that scene before, of what she usually does when she comes home. She listens to the, you know, the answering machine message tape from her mom and, you know, mm-hmm. like this kind of routine. So I really enjoyed that scene. And then um, I really like some of the darker, crazier penguin moments. I'd much rather not be disturbed now. Come on downstairs, Oswald. I was surprised. I don't like surprises. You know, I don't, I just, I just enjoyed his performance. It was really like risky and kind of gross. And, um, I, I liked him digging into that villainry in that specific way. Like he would say something and people would be like, wait, did he just, <laughs> did he just say yeah. that? You know, it was like, very inappropriate at times. Yeah. By the way. Super, super inappropriate. And like, you know, he's supposed to be focusing on becoming the mayor and he's just like, yeah, what, how about that ass though? You know, yeah, some, of the, some of that booty. Yeah. Cause you know, he's an underground, uh, you know, he's been underground a long time. You know, so he is eating that real fish, by the way. That doesn't surprise me at all. He's in character. Yeah. It is so gross. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. So, and I, I mean, I love the, the winter. I mean, even though it's like, you know, a rough thing that's happening when his parents, mm. you know, Moses him, Superman him, and just were like, here you go, and just dump over the baby carriage. Like the whole way that the whole winter shot and, you know, it's really dark and it's like, you know, the night is dark and full of terrors type vibe. Like I mm-hmm. visually, I really, really like that. I mean, I want my eyes to look like the penguins eyes in this movie. Just, it's just dead around them. But then it's like a, a certain degree of menacing and his coat's pretty fly. Actually that the coat with the top hat, it's like, it's got a lot of texture to it. It looks like he's wearing feathers that's in his overcoat. 
and he's got an ascot on. Yes. Yes. And he saves a baby. I'm looking at this scene right now as, when he's the holding co- up this baby. The costume baby. department had a great time. Yeah, they, they, they crushed it. They crushed it. Um, I got two scenes that really come to mind for me. Oh, God. Um, one is the dark circus scene. I think that's really great. Just the sort of intro like set piece. Uh, and and secondly, it would be just you know ultimately okay. Max Shrek's demise. Um, I, I think it is you know Batman is fine in it, but as we touched on earlier, it's not really his movie. It's it's about kind of like if you just say, look, Batman's going to show up in the third act. And we're not going to see him the whole time. We're just going to have like Catwoman and, you know, fish face, like fucking, you know, playing grab ass or what have you until the third act. It would be fine. As I was saying, I'm a woman and can't be taken for granted. Life's a bitch. Now so am I. (laughs) Fish face. (laughs) I mean, just, you know, this nigga. So, okay, movie MVP, and this is where we'll wrap up at. Um, so who is your MVP of this movie? Uh, it could be character. It could be actor. It could be uh, filmmaker. Who is your MVP for Batman returns? I think, I think Tim Burton is the MVP of this movie. I, I, I think, I think the case is strong. Uh, <laughs> I think the case is very strong. Uh, I'm going to agree with that. I, I, I think it's him. Um, cause this is, this is his final Batman movie. And it's better than the first one, and it's kind of like it's better because it's more his vision. I think that's 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 what I'm taking from it. Um, uh, I guess final 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 thoughts on uh, Batman Returns. Do you have any final thoughts for the for this this flick? I think that Batman Returns is a big, it's a huge accomplishment when you think about it in Tim Burton's catalog. Like if people think of Tim Burton movies, especially the high points being Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands. You know, those were original creations, as far as I know. Um, Mm -hmm. And it takes a pretty strong director and someone with vision and point of view to take a character as well-known as Batman and turn that world into their own world. I think that is really, really difficult to do. And so... um, I think this movie deserves a lot of credit for being able to blend those things. He, he didn't, you know, you don't have, it wasn't completely like, you know, um, I mean, yes, it was very Tim Burton, but there were certain Batman things that have to be there that he didn't discard. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a blueprint of how you can blend a singular director's vision with a property that people expect certain things from and want to see. I think that's well said. I, I think you're you're right. I think it's 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 definitely up there. It's still in a very unique way because of how it was made. And going back to one of the things you said earlier, this movie still kind of holds up. You get something new out of it, like each time, um, despite it being you know three decades old now. So um, that is a testament to the filmmaking, the acting, everything that went into this flick. And uh, yeah, glad we were able to do this and talk about this for a bit. Me too. You know, especially because it's like Christmas time, winter time. Yeah. So with that, um, I think I think we're good. I think we're done here. Um, so thank you again for coming on, Koo, and, and chopping it up with me. 
I had fun. I enjoyed it like I always do. I love being a guest and I look forward to our next one. Yeah. So thank you so much. And um, for the folks listening out there, this has been Ku Rob Lee. Uh, this has been Let's Watch It Again, our um, review of uh, Batman Returns. It's 30th anniversary. And until next time, keep watching those movies. Oh,